You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. So today is going to be our second episode in our House Hacking Mastermind series. So my name is Chris Lopez. I'll be the host today. And if you're not here the first one, this is a series that uh, Ben Einspar actually kind of got kicked off a couple months ago. And so what we do here, myself, and then I'm um, co-hosting it with Ben Einsfar and Jeff White, who are both active house hackers and experts in house hacking. And so we bring on some different guests each month to talk about some of their background, what they're buying, what they're renting, or you know what they're renting out, I should say, and actually go through some common questions. So it should be a great way to hopefully for all of us to help you know learn from each other, uh, you know, pick Ben and Jeff's mind, uh, do some networking, and then obviously we're putting us on the podcast as well because there's more than six people out there or seven people on the call in Denver that are house hacking. So if it can be a great way to network. Um, learn ideas. And if you want to connect with me on the show, definitely check the show notes. Uh, contact details and social media links will be provided so you guys can reach out to some if they, you know, you want to pick their brain. And I think everyone, I know on this call, I think everyone is friendly. So I would definitely rec- recommend reaching out. So I will start off. So Ben Einspar, how are you, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So Ben, this is not your first time on the podcast. You and your wife, Allison, you guys are actually house hacking up in Nevada. Um, and Airbnb, I think, still, right? Are you doing medium term rental down your place? We are. We just kicked off going back to Airbnb since our last recording. And I tell you, it's on fire. I enjoy it. It's nice to get, get back and active and doing the, the Airbnb route. Good. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And next one is Jeff White. Jeff, how are you? Doing awesome. Enjoying this nice uh, afternoon here, working at home and uh, podcasting at home too. So, so far, so good. Life doesn't get any better, huh? <laughs> um, so Jeff, obviously you've been on the podcast a few times. You're on, you're on house stack number four, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Doing so- a house with uh, house with ADU and so far going well and learning a lot because it's a different one than the previous ones. All right. And for our first guest today is Henry Lau. So Henry moved to Denver back in early 2017. He was written downtown and actually just closed on his first house hack in August. So about three or four weeks ago, it's a single family home in Arvada with a mother-in-law unit. And then he had to add a wall, create a second unit in there. So he's in the process of leasing out right now. I think he moved in like two weeks ago, right, Henry? Two or three weeks ago? That is correct, Chris. Good. Well, hey, we're glad to have you on here. So I gave you a really quick intro. What else do you want to share to our listeners out there? I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the show, Chris, Ben, and Jeff. I think it's an opportunity for all of us here to connect and network and share our insights as, as to the extent that we can. So just for all the folks out there, just excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here, Henry. Um, our next guest, guest are Jeff and Christina. So they've been renting Denver for about the last uh, six or seven years. They got house act number one back in June, and they purchased a three-bedroom, three-bath townhouse in Aurora and renting out uh, room by room to t- um, renting out to two tenants, one long-term and one medium-term in a furnished bedroom. So taking the money and saving it and plan on buying house act number two next year. 
So guys, glad to have you on. Thank you for having us. It's exciting yeah. to be here. So anything you want to add uh, or correct on the intro? No, I don't think so. Just wanted to say thanks to you guys for putting this together and uh, creating a platform for us to network and share ideas. I think it's, uh, it's really helpful. So thanks. Yeah, and one day we'll actually do it face-to-face over a couple beers or something, <laughs> make it even way better. Um, all right, and then our last but not least is Eric Mijas. So Eric purchased a condo in Lakewood in 2017 with his then-girlfriend, now-fiancé, and they have just listed as a long-term rental because they just purchased a new split-level home in Arvada for house hack number two. So it's got a separate uh, basement unit that will be rented out. So Eric, glad to have you on here. Yeah, thanks so much for having having me, Chris. And wanted to say thanks for putting out all the content over the years. I know we've been talking for probably two, two and a half years and finally had uh, everything aligned to get the ball rolling. So I really appreciate uh, being a guest on uh, the podcast. And it's been awesome to see what, what you've been able to create here. Awesome. Well, thank you. So Ben, I'm going to turn it over to you because you, you are the one kind of compiling the notes here and leading it. So you got the microphone, man. What are we jumping into? Awesome. Thank you, Chris. So just a little background before recording, we had everyone submit questions and topics they all wanted to talk about. And as they were coming in, I noticed a common theme. So instead of picking one thing, I kind of compiled them into three different topics, renovations, medium-term rentals and um, finding good tenants or finding the right tenant. And just to start things off, um, uh, nice to have versus need to have renovations. Eric asked, do you want to kind of touch on that, what you're getting after? Yeah, I think it's an important consideration because, you know, myself and my fiance, we're going into it thinking, well, what would we want to have in a place where we're living? And that's going to be different than what a renter may want or may expect. And so trying to look at it with that different lens of this needs to be about 85%. It doesn't need to be hundred percent perfect exactly the way we'd want to be if it were our forever home. And so it's sort of taking a step back and saying, this is a rental and even our unit we're living in. It's like, this will be a rental. So again, we're only here for a year or two. Let's not go crazy and make everything perfect and spend 10 grand when we could spend 1500 and make it 85%. So that's not how I usually approach things, but with renovations, it's saved a lot of stress and trying to make things, you know, quote unquote, perfect. So I think that's an important conversation to have with, uh, if you're doing it with a partner or just in looking at your own, uh, plan renovations. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't remember what you say. So you're, you're placing Arvada, good, good choice, good area of choice, by the way. Um, it sounds, sounds popular by the, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, are you, what strategy are you going for? Cause I think it kind of ultimately depends on what strategy you're going for and what type of rental, if you're renting by the room, uh, if you're doing a long-term rental or like we talked about earlier, um, a short term. Yes. Yeah, a great question. Uh, with all the COVID stuff and talking, you know, but what we're comfortable with at this point, we were marketing it as a long-term rental downstairs right now. Uh, we previously discussed doing a midterm because um, ha- I have some experience and background in the vacation rental industry. And so doing, you know, the Airbnb route. So in terms of management, the management side of things, we were thinking, well, midterm could make a lot of sense. And I've got a business partner who's done some stuff in that space and done really well with it. 
but for right now we're going to go long-term uh and just kind of make sure that we've got some neighbors that we want to want to live with um and we are living in the upstairs unit so it's a three bed one bath up three bed one bath down each has their own own kitchen and own laundry so we're you know not sacrificing in terms of having roommates upstairs for the way we want to live we don't want to have roommates so we're going to rent the downstairs long term and then i could see us potentially doing some midterm stuff down the road and um seeing how that goes so descri- uh, describe your rent there what's the layout of your house what's the, what's the layout like so great question because it's a split level so there's at the front door it basically goes upstairs and downstairs and then three bed up one bath uh three bed one bath down so the way it's set up is there's a rear entrance on the back of the property into a mudroom area which has two separate doors each has their their own lock so there's separate. you know you have your own secure space there's also an attached garage there as well so we've got it set up so we have the upstairs unit with the attached garage the tenant has their own space where they have to access from the rear of the property and then there's also a detached garage that we're looking to rent for an additional uh, fee to either the tenants or a friend, someone who needs to store some stuff. And so from the coming, that's, the, I mean, that's a great, so coming in the front, can you access both units from the front or is that just the upstairs? No. So just the upstairs from the okay. front. We basically put in a, a door and just did the double sided lock. So that's going to be dead bolted. Okay. And so you installed the door. Yeah, there's already, okay. uh, we had to get it a new one put in, but yeah, it was already there. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. I, I just want to get that clarification. I'll let, I'll let you turn it back over to you, Ben. So, I guess, kind of to, to answer it in a long-term roundabout way is, personally, my opinion. And and um, Jeff, I know you're the master at renting it by the room, but we have the different, like I said, the strategies. You have um, mm-hmm. you have your rent by the room. You have long-term, then medium-term and short-term. And I think it kind of goes, um, in that same order. So if you're renting by the room and if you've listened to any of the modules that Jeff, Chris, and Joe have done about, um, house hacking, it's, uh, it's a good way to, um, um, it's a good way to figure out what, uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing my concentration. Um, what what's your best strategy because you're looking for good um tenants and they're typically um i would say uh young professionals and so they don't care what what they're looking for what they're living because they're going to be at work or they're married to their job and then if we go to long term um you really don't want to spend five thousand dollars on the renovations because typically that might get you anywhere from two hundred to three hundred dollars more in rent so it'll take you a little bit longer to return to get that money back but then long uh short-term rental i think that's where you really get your bang for the buck everyone on in short-term rentals are there on vacation um they're wanting to stay somewhere cool somewhere trendy for example um we put in a like a a a beach wood flooring in our in our kitchen and for our airbnb and a lot of people 
well, we personally wouldn't have put that in our, in, in like a personal place, but it looks really cool and guests really love it in our Airbnb. And we spend a little bit more money on, on unique things. Cause that's what I've noticed. People love to stay. And if you put the money in renovations, you really get to see that money come back quicker. Cause now you're getting a higher occupancy rate and a higher rent per room. And then if you spend that $5,000 in your short-term rental, you see it come back a lot quicker, if that makes sense. I know I kind of went in a roundabout way, but yeah. Jeff White, what's your opinion on that? So to give a little more, to add to it, um, I have one property that has, talk about improvements. I have one property with um, granite countertops, one that has Formica countertops, and there is no difference in rent. And the reason why is they put the granite countertops in an area that's um, more like a C neighborhood where the tenants don't really, it's not going to make it, it's like almost over-improving the property. So that's something you really have to look into is, well, the tenants in the area value, is it worth the extra money to put something like granite countertops in? And usually, um, unless you're in like a, like a really trendy, popular neighborhood, um, to me, it's not the best return on investment because most long-term tenants, at least the ones I've dealt with, um, I haven't noticed any increased rent for having something is, which is looks, looks great in pictures and people like it, but they're not giving me an extra hundred bucks a month for it. Um, to me, the better improvements, uh, and it also goes back to what Ben was saying, what your strategy is going to be short-term, long-term or medium-term. And if you're doing short-term, yeah, you want it to show really well in pictures. <clears throat> and then cause you, you only have that one chance to make a, a great impression because you're on vacation for a couple of days. So you have to have like maybe a little bit nicer amenities and better flooring or, you know, better cabinets that close really softly, you know, something fancy like that. Um, but when you go to middle, medium term and long term, then it changes where people, and again, unless you're in like a more A class, B class neighborhood, people, renters aren't going to care if you're only wanting, like for uh, Eric, wanting his three bedroom that he's going to rent downstairs whatever he decides to rent it at, they're not going to, it's, he's not going to get, if he put another $10,000 into it to make it really nice, just because it's still a bottom level unit in a shared house um, with tenants right above, there's only so much more you could do to really make it better with uh, those improvements. So that's where you get. And then another problem too, is what we all like is we all have our own tastes and opinions of what's nice. And that's, I think something I've learned a lot is over-improvement. And my first property, I would say I spent way too much money making it like nice, with like accent walls and, uh, you know, nicer, really nice appliances. I did like black stainless. I'm like, and then when I rented out, I was like, wait, I could have just got basic black appliances had, uh, didn't have to go through all the hassle of having updating the counters and, having a better sink um, and we got the same rent. So I really wasted a, a decent chunk of money just because of what I liked coming from my previous, before I did house hacking, I lived in a condo. It was uh, more like uh, more updated than your traditional house hack. So that's what I liked. I was like, okay, I'll just apply the same thing. Cause what I like is what other people like. And that's where sometimes uh, you, you, uh, you think you put your own uh, biases towards, what will work and what will rent. And usually 
the tenants they don't care about if the appliances are brand new like i i get all my appliances basically used now unless um unless it's like a memorial day or like a special uh season where home depot loads gives sales and tenants again if you have a dent in your appliance they're not gonna, you're not gonna like say well that's gonna turn them off because there's a dent they'll, they'll they like the fact that it works okay <laughs> you okay there chris <laughs> I apparently can't drink tea. <laughs> Forget which uh, which pipe to swallow down. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like, also over the range microwaves. Do people, you know, what you like looks great, and other people like, but people don't. If you have a microwave to sit on the counter, that's fine for a rental. And short term, yeah, you want to make it a little nicer. Medium term, long term, you could make it just pretty straightforward and probably keep a lot of the, your current uh, houses, assuming they're moderately updated. Um, you don't need to go spend an extra five to 10,000 to really make it shine. That's where uh, save that money for the next house hack or investment property. That's my bottom line right there. Great. That's a, that's a great point. Saving the money. So you definitely have, you're not throwing all your money on your first house hack so you can come back and do it too to three more times, even whatever your goal is. Um, so we kind of touched on a little bit, but going back to maximizing rent as uh, it relates to house hacking, Jeff and Christina, that was something you asked. Yeah, I think uh, very similar to Eric. When we moved in, we were really wanting to do a lot of renovations, trying to figure out what would be, I know like if you update the kitchen, you update the bathrooms, um, but it really, I think we actually talked to Chris and we were like, we're going to get new countertops and we're getting new appliance. And Chris was like, don't, don't do that. So we ended up just honestly doing a new coat of paint and it just looks so much nicer and cleaner. Um, so I, I'm just wondering if, is there anything else that you guys find actually does maximize rent? Um, yeah, I think that's it. What, one thing I'll add um, is, is especially in improvements, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. There's the maximizing rents, and then there's while you're living there, what can you do to kind of do some future tenant proofing? There's a lot of those little things you can do that's a, a $10, $20 part from you know, Home Depot. That's a tenant job, easy for you, but it costs 100 bucks to send a handy mat in the future. So <clears throat> do that. So Jeff, you know, with the extra updates, if you've done stuff on your future, or I'm sorry, your previous rentals, getting ready for future rentals, if you've done anything for like to tenant proof as well, loop that in there as well if you could. I'd be curious what your your take is on there. Yeah, so how I tenant proof it, um, I do um, electronic door locks with key codes to minimize uh, potential lockouts or send, like assuming people are going to lose their keys, right? Uh, so I do key codes there that change it for each tenant. So that's a, to me, a worthwhile investment. Um, and then if you like smart locks, I recommend August smart lock. It's pretty insane. You could actually, I could unlock the door from where I'm sitting right now at my, my other house just for fun. If I want to do that, um, <laughs> <laughs> not that I do that, but, uh, the, the, it's really cool. Like you technology. Um, so that's one thing, uh, other tenant proofing things is making sure, so small things too that you don't even think about. A lot of times when people have done any house that you, you're going to purchase, you got to assume that some handy person's done work there and probably didn't do it correctly. So some things are not, for example, I'll give you a, a simple example, like a towel rack. I've had this happen a couple properties where they just fall over 
because they're never attached to the studs. Yeah. So stuff like this. Okay. So making sure get a stud finder and making sure things like something simple like that will save you the hassle of spending, you know, 70 bucks for a handy person to come out and fix it. Also invest in good drain cleaning uh, and make sure the tenants understand, uh, sorry, drain stoppers. So you can get these little things that are like little, um, how they're called like the like little like strainers, but for like your sink, because what happens is people throw a lot of crap down the sink, especially tenants. They just don't think about it. So then you have, you have that's potential avoiding the issues of plumbers coming to clean the snake, the drains. You don't want your tenants doing that either, by the way, I don't recommend that. Uh, so it's like that one. Um, also investing in energy efficient light bulbs, even though led bulbs cost more money, they are more energy efficient. So that'll lower your utility bill and last longer than your typical um, incandescent bulb. Actually, random question here for you, Jeff. This is a left turn on, on, the, on the conversation here, but I know on, I think it's house stack number two, the first one we helped you get, that yeah. came with the solar panels. Correct. Uh, yeah. Has that, I'm curious, has that had any difference in rental income, maintenance issues, utility issues, feedback from tenants, has any, any impact on the rental for you? Now, actually, I'm probably more excited about them than the tenants when I, I tried to, yeah, I'm <laughs> like, hey guys, look, we got these, uh, I'm environmentally conscious with these solar panels, but most of them, again, uh, you know, couldn't care less. It's like, okay, thank you. But it's saving them money on utilities, right? Because, I mean, yeah. it's, it's basically lowering it their is. monthly Excel bill, right? Yeah. Especially okay. when there's, yeah, it, it does lower it overall. For, so it does okay. um, help, but yeah, from a, people saying, Oh, I want to live in a place with solar panels. No one's ever said that to me. Oh, I like your listing because it had solar panels. Actually going back to what to invest your money in a quick one is a good photographer. And Chris could talk about this, how much pictures could sell a place, even when the place is not that great. But if you have a great photographer and take good pictures, you get more people interested. You have more uh, perspective tenants to choose from. And then, um, then you whittle down through your system to pick out the most qualified based on the set criteria you set. Um, that's why I would say a great use of hundred dollars is, or whatever photographers, um, cost in your area. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I mean, you can use like, you know, a lot of these, there's a lot of companies out there that specialize in real estate for real estate listings. A popular one's called Virtuance. And I think it's, a uh, yeah, it's, you know, they have different packages on there, but they're a good company. I would definitely recommend like, if you're gonna spend money, spend money on some of the real estate experience, get the right lenses, know how to like, you know, take the proper photos and angles and all that. Um, the other thing, if you're doing that, if you're just moving in, like if you guys are moving your furniture, um, stage it, take the pictures or have the professional take the pictures and they can reuse that for, you know, years and years and years to come. And one- Thank you, that's one really helpful. One one quick thing to add in, if anyone's interested in doing short-term, once you start building up uh, stays and occupancy, you can get, uh, what's it called, super host status. And then once you get to that, they will send out a professional photographer and they'll take photos of your place for free. All right. Uh, next was on the renovation still. Henry, I wanted to go to you. Uh, about the amount of renovations that are in line with your reasonable with a reasonable return and timeline. 
Absolutely. So I think there's some good points already brought up, but the way I think about between need and and nice and what is nice to have is just thinking about what really does impact what Chris alluded to was maximizing rent and what Jeff spoke about bringing bringing appliances up to rent grade. So for me, I think it's there's really three or four factors that really play into it. Obviously, the location of, of the place, uh, the space, and meaning the square footage. It's a common question. And then just the privacy and then the overall condition. So we can unpack that a little bit, thinking through what that means. So for privacy, I put up a wall. It was one of those things that we had a door that was shared between the mother-in-law unit and putting up a wall immediately put up privacy on both both sides. So that is meaningful and impactful in terms of maximizing rent because that does speak to protecting yourself and also from the tenant. They may have some unease around what it means to share a common door. So for my unit, it's a single family, basically with a second unit, a mother-in-law unit, that now is really two doors. So they have their own deadbolt key, and then I have my own deadbolt key. So I think that's important. And then thinking through the overall condition. So the condition of the actual property, but also just the appliances, right? So the appliances that I had were actually only on the main unit. So the second unit I had to backfill. So for me, it wasn't spending the ridiculous amount. I did go to Lowe's and I did buy a new unit, but it was, it was smaller and it was uh, for the most part, very basic. It didn't include an ice maker because that's actually a common issue. And then thinking through like little things like that and then providing a washer dryer. I think those little amenities really shift how the perception of a client's uh, rent would be. So what they think about is a reasonable rent is that they have their own washer and dryer. Like that would immediately impact that rent, right? Versus sharing a washer and dryer. So, and then the other things would be around legal uh, and bringing things up to code and then maintenance. So from the perspective that was brought up about the overall property, so think of the HVAC and the roof, and then also the crawl space, those are some key items. And of course, the sewer and the foundation, right? So those things come through the inspection process, but then for the HVAC and for example, the crawl space, if they do need to be renovated, those are things that it's more, I would say more for the property itself doesn't have a direct impact, but that is some cost that you probably have to bake into your equation because that's just the cost of ownership, right? And for for that, it, it, if it needs to be replaced, that's a lot different than a servicing, but just something to consider. And as you go into a property, and if they share, if they share specific sewers or however that works, you know, if it's actually a defined A and B property, and they have separate addresses or it's really just one, obviously that would make a difference as well as far as how that's marked. And uh, for nice to have, I mean, I think it really comes down to what Jeff mentioned was, is it relating to cosmetics? Is it relating to your own personal likes and dislikes? And then whether or not it's something that can be deferred in terms of, uh, in terms of like, can someone live there reasonably in a, in a, in a I mean, in a reasonable shape of, of the condition of the property itself versus going in and, hey, something is, there's a, there's a hole in the wall, or, for example, of course, that would need to be fixed up. So that, that's how I think about the difference between need and night. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you covered a lot there. I, I think you covered a lot there, but one thing I caught on was, was finding a reasonable place for someone to live in. And, um, did you talk about, so I was looking at your bio and you mentioned that you're, uh, in the process of finding a tenant in between the time you sent that. And now have, do you have your, uh, mother-in-law you rented out right now? I do not, but I do have applicants and a steady interest that I worked with Jeff to kind of talk through previously. So we were talking through ideas of how to stage the property, take photos and think about the, the leasing terms and what would be attractive for a tenant and thinking about tenants too, you know, you brought the comment about reasonable and, you know, as a landlord, because that's, that's, that's what we are here is just thinking about providing a safe and comfortable place to live at a reasonable cost, right? I think at the end of the day, just putting ourselves in their shoes, that's what we're ultimately looking. And of course that's driven by the factors of location, privacy, whether you're, if you're renting room by room, obviously you're compromising in terms of privacy. That's something that you do give up as a trade-off. So uh, for, for myself looking for a tenant, the, the attractive thing is that they have their own door, that they have their own privacy. They, they do not have to share a fridge. They don't have to share a washer dryer again. And they have their own bathrooms, which for a lot of folks is an important thing. So I think those elements are what you would consider it when you're renting it out and what you're trying to trying to appeal to, to potential tenants. Yeah. I would actually agree with that too. Uh, when I added a washer dryer to one of my units, I got immediately an extra $150 a month just because nothing else but in, put in a washer dryer. It was more expensive than $150 to put the hookups in and plumb it correctly and wire it with a 50 amp, I think it is, um, electrical cord for the dryer. But that is one improvement if there is no washer dryer and the mother-in-law or whatever other space you're renting, that's a great uh, value add. Um, and tenants really pretty like, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever went to laundry mats, uh, in college oh, yeah. or any other place you went. Uh, but you know, it's not that tenants really value doing their own laundry. Um, that's a really good ad. Well, think about a laundromat now, like this didn't hit me until we just talked about now. Cause I agree with you. Like I, I generally see like about a hundred dollar ring pump and long-term rentals for a washer and dryer. I mean, laundromats suck and they kind of waste the day. Now you're at a laundromat wearing a damn mask all day. Like that's not fun. So I think now is probably a bigger premium on washer and dryer. I would think never realized that till we guys just chatting about it. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah and, going, and going back to it, I remember, um, when I was working with Chris finding our place in Arvada, um, the re the, one of the main reasons, cause when we, we were buying it, we were originally going to live in the, our upstairs unit and then rent out all the rooms. But the main reason we didn't rent up that rent out that top unit is cause it didn't have a washer and dryer and we didn't want to have a shared washer and dryer. Then we started investigating into sh the short-term rental Airbnb process. And one of the great things is my wife, Allison is, is excellent with communications and her background is hotel communication. So we decided to take the leap and do the Airbnb route only because we'd be doing all the laundry. Um, and they, they don't need to do any, do any laundry. But then again, mm. when COVID came, we did have three months where we did furnished finder, which is medium term rental. So medium term rental being anywhere between, I'd say, um, 
three months to what three months to six months and there's a kind of an issue with uh with laundry where we just had to give them local laundry mats and they they took care of it awesome does anyone else have anything they want to bring up or any questions about uh renovations i just toss toss in the ring that it's especially if you're doing stuff yourself or if you're hiring someone as soon as you pull something off the wall or take something apart it opens up two more projects We've been in the middle of that where it's like, okay, great. I just got to get a, a, a range and oven downstairs while you plug it in. Oh shoot. The outlet's not working. Okay. Now I got to figure that out. Or we go to test the dishwasher and all of a sudden the uh, laundry drain is backing up onto the floor. So, I mean, these are good things to figure out now before a tenant's in there, but you know, let me check the bathroom mirror off to replace it. And there's just a big hole in the wall. So, all right, do we want to deal with drywalling that in right now, or are we going to just put a mirror back up and pause on that for a couple of months? So just uh, recognizing that a project is never as simple as you think it should be or hope it is. Oh, come on, Eric. You're doing something wrong. They always go according to plan. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Oh, I say with sarcasm. Oh, I am yeah, never projects ever go. And you yeah. finish before schedule. If you think it's going to take two weeks, it typically takes maybe a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, definitely. That, that's what yeah. Allison was telling me a couple and months ago. Oh, people than you thought. <laughs> and and under never... budget and everything is uh, easy to find parts. You don't have to spend an hour at Home Depot. You can find it in five minutes. But everything comes in under budget too. That's what oh, I found. Yeah. I'm I, I will throw out there ordering ahead of time, ordering online with Home Depot or Lowe's and picking it up from customer service has been huge because then you don't end up wandering the aisles for hours. So I just throw that out there as a quick, quick tip. Jeff and I are laughing because uh, we've, <laughs> we've been going through this right now as it's our first property. So I can definitely speak to all of them. And, so, and you guys have any surprises at your place you bought? You know, holes behind mirrors or anything? Uh Nothing really crazy, but we did, when we moved in, we got a new dishwasher and um, a new stove and we had it delivered through Lowe's and they installed it for us. Uh, but the guy that came to install it actually plugged the cable in first before plugging it into the range and he shocked himself <laughs> in the middle of the kitchen. So more stuff like that, not necessarily, you know, small projects that kind of spiraled. So, yeah. And of course, you know, once you buy a home, something always breaks right away. That is some law out there. Oh. Our stove too had like a raised outlet. And so when we got our new stove, we tried to push it back and then it wouldn't go all the way back because there was this raised outlet. Then we had to hire an electrician to remove that so that we could actually plug the stove in. And then, yeah, it was, it was a mess. It was like lots of just shifting things around until it all fits. But I, I so last six, I mean, you know, we are all kind of laughing and joking now. We all been our moments where we're, you know, swearing and cursing and dropping four letter words, at least I have. Out of all the house tech so far, anyone got, you know, like, I know you, you go through sucky times, but short term pain for long term gain, right? 100%. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it all over again, don't, but don't tell us that. <laughs> no. Well, make sure you don't listen to the recording, Ben. I know. <laughs> Um, cool. What yeah, else do you guys want to chat about? The oh, big thing with that is just put it in your numbers. Uh, like, like Chris always talks about and all this, 
uh, property analysis spreadsheets just um you know put a maintenance and capex reserve because your water heat will break your furnace will break your ac unit will break eventually even if it's brand new today uh if if the tenants or you don't change the filters out in the furnace uh that could lead to something going wrong there they have to call out a, hand, uh, a person to fix it water heaters eventually die out after eight to ten years and then i've had multiple water heaters go out i've had one furnace go out uh one ac unit uh wasn't even plugged in so i had to get that all redone um chris remembers that one <laughs> I, I actually try to forget that one <laughs> <Yeah>. jeff <laughs> that, that was an interesting one yeah <laughs> and then uh yeah, so I've had every appliance go out on me, fridges, water lines break. Oh, yeah. I actually suggest if you have a water line to any of your refrigerators, take that out yep. as soon as you can because those leak. And if they leak, you could have drywall damage or other mold issues without even knowing it. Um, so just don't, just take the, like any chance you could, like you're trying to avoid as many future maintenance problems. And that's one I would say I took out all my water lines. Um, it's a nice to have thing. Um, but not uh, a need to have for they could just you know have a, a filtered water if they want um, on the faucet. And I mean, take them out, or for some things like washer and dryers and things where you know you can't take them out, make sure you got updated cables on there. You know, I, the, my primary residence now was built in the late '90s and still had a couple of these. Uh, I think they're like brass plumbing connections, which tend to break and leak a lot. So I got those replaced, you know, just did that. I don't, I think the, the flexible clear PVC tubing or I don't quite what it is, but Hey, had a plumber come out a couple of dollars, replaced all that. Um, just because that's very cheap versus a 10, $20,000 water issue or insurance claim then. That is, that is a great point, Chris, being proactive and, and trying to foresee what can go wrong and do it now and get it over with before going and having it when, of course, if something's going to come up when you're on vacation or, I mean, the time that it comes up is never going to be convenient, especially I know a lot of people in here have in Arvada and speaking for our home is built in the fifties. And right now I'm dealing with plumbing issue where I'm having to replace all the, a lot of the, uh, the plumbing, all the galvanized plumbing, the PVC. So, you know, Ben, before we were, we hit record, we got talked about doing some medium-term rental stuff. Um, and I know you mentioned that you guys just pivoted back to your short, you know, to your short-term rental stuff. How the medium stuff, medium-term stuff end up panning out for you guys now since you're done with that current phase of your current house act? I, I think it went it went really well and we're we're still we're still actually considering it because um, we can touch on it a little bit, but we're we, we, we use furnished finder, uh, which is a great website. Um, you have to pay a hundred bucks a month to use. Um, but we're, we still have that app open right now and we're getting requests for late October for three months, six months stays. And we, we are considering it. I mean, we would take a loss of about three to $500 a month, but sometimes for the peace of mind, that's nice. Cause we're going into the winter months for Airbnb and competition increases because let, we still have the same amount of, of Airbnbs out there, but less people are traveling, especially during, during COVID. But all in all, we, we would definitely do it again, but it just it takes time because there, it's, it's kind of like um, 
getting a tenant for long term, you got, it's it's like dating. You got to figure out if you're a right fit for them or not, or if they're just shopping around and, and going to waste your time. It just it it does it does take work, but I I think it's worth it. It just depends on what your goal is and where you're at in life and the season. And definitely during the winter months, I would that's what we're going to do. Is I, when we move out of this place is uh, Jeff informed me of the of the new law where once you move out in Arvada, you can um, still Airbnb your your rental even though you're not living in it for. Do you remember what it was? 200, 240 out of the 365. Yes. Yeah. So during those days, we're planning on doing a medium term rental, especially during the winter months when Airbnb isn't as hot. So it's something we're always going to pivot back to um, in the future and for future house hacks. So you think once you move out of here, you're going to do the Airbnb up to the 240 limit and medium term rental the other, what's that, three months, four months? That is the plan for now, okay. but we all know plans, things change. Yeah, and, and I've chatted with a few people about this. I actually wanted to mention this on a podcast earlier because that's something great. I think it was just a month or so ago, Arvada did pass that rule where I think it's, you know, an individual investor come up to three non-owner-occupied properties in Arvada and, and short-term rental up to 240 days a year. I've heard some chatter that they, uh, you know, there's obviously some grumblings about that r rule. And so it sounds like next year they'll revisit it. Um, so if you do it or not, do, does it, you know, get there before the one year mark and make sure you have your license or whatever it is. And then you're grandfathered in as long as you own the property. So don't assume we'll be there forever, but it sounds like with a lot of things, if you get in there, you actually get grandfathered in so you can do it for as long as you own the property. And, and for those of you that are in Arvada, Arvada is a very, short-term rental friendly friendly area of denver but it's important to follow the rules and, and it's it's not worth trying to bend the rules by airbnb in it full time while you're not there or trying to avoid it because in the end it'll bite you in the butt so what questions do you guys have just on um medium-term rentals in general i know that was one of the topics you put on here ben and, I, and this is this is an area why I, I you know a long-term and short-term rental medium-term rentals for myself is definitely the uh my weak link and for knowledge in this i'm kind of curious what you and jeff you guys have experienced or if any anyone else out there has done it or thinking about doing it i'm really curious what you guys are doing here I I'd throw out a question to Ben, um, just in terms of, you know, I, I know you mentioned a three to $500 a month difference between doing Airbnb and midterm. Um, I guess sort of for the amount of time that you and your wife are putting into managing the short-term rental side of things, you know, does that breakdown make sense sort of on an hourly basis? If you're like, okay, it takes us 10 hours a month to manage and we make 500 bucks more. So that's worth it. Or what does that trade off look like for you guys? I will, I will say yes, 100%. And it's not only the money side of thing, it's the personal, like the satisfaction. We have a, we, before we got this Airbnb, we did a lot of traveling. We went to like California, Maine, Hawaii, and stayed in Airbnbs and we took notes in all of them. And so we applied all of those places to our, we took the, what we loved and, and put up in ours. And one was a guest book. And one of our favorite things you do is when someone leaves, we read the reviews and we read what they write in the guest book and we can go back through it. And 
I, I think you can't put a dollar, a dollar value to that, but it's someone's lot, unless you have a system in place, um, and you hire it out to a property manager, which typical short-term rental property managers are, I think they're a lot more expensive. I think 15, uh, 20% per month more. Um, but they're a lot more expensive, but I think, I think it's worth a squeeze because if you have a system in place where you have multiple sheets, um, and you're ready. So we, we personally have cleaners. And so when we have a cleaner come, we already have uh, a tub that they grab all their, all of their towels, their linens, any new sheets ready to go. So we have, we fine tuned our systems. So my answer is yes, yes, it's, it's definitely worth a squeeze, but I mean, we just, as medium term, uh, or as furnished finder pops up, we, Alice and I sit down and we discuss and see if it fits our goals. Because when we, we bought the house, we originally put the numbers together very, very conservatively to where we we're just planning on doing a long-term rental. Um, but then anything on top of that has just been cherry on, it's just been extra. And so we put that away. Um, so now, even if we do go down to medium term or below medium term, we're, we're, we're okay. We're okay with that because we're still making money and our numbers, our numbers still work out. Okay. Cool. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. I, I did have a question. Um, so I, I know you said that Aravada really has the good, um, short term or medium term rental. Um, so conversely, uh, Jeff M and I, we are in Aurora and we were really hoping to get a lot of like students, um, and traveling nurses, cause we're kind of by the campus. Um, and I think that what we have found is there are a lot of people moving to Denver, particularly within this COVID time to do like take advantage of hiking and in the mountains. Um, but because we're in Aurora, we're kind of curious how, like, what is the strategy here, um, to maximize tenants? Um, should we keep it furnished, like furnished versus unfurnished? Um, and just like what you guys think of in your experience. So you guys are doing rent by the room, correct? Yeah, we're doing rent by the room. We're on Airbnb. We're on Furnished Finder, uh, on Facebook Marketplace. And Facebook is definitely a lot more helpful. Um, we have not had a lot of luck with Furnished Finder. So I'm curious on your strategy, Ben, too, on how you're successful with it. It's it. So for Furnished Finder, you almost have to, what we started doing is people wouldn't message us. We would have to reach out to them. So we would go on the portal or, and look at people's profiles and, and see if it was a right fit. And we would, we would almost, we'd market to them and tell them, Hey, this is what we have. It's a one bedroom, one bath in Arvada close to old town market with that's very family friendly, friendly. And we, we would, we would let them know about it and we'd reach out to them. And I think that's how we did find our first guests is they didn't message us. We reached out to them. So there, there can be a lot of upfront work, but you have to look to see who, ev everyone that's out there. We are also on Copa, which is free, but I think we've had that on just under a year. We've maybe had one person um, reach out to us. It just takes work. If you're not getting people reach out to you, reach out to everyone else um, to see what, what they're trying to do. But why we did the main reason why we went to medium term rentals because when COVID hit airbnb kind of went down 
but we had all of our stuff still up there and we didn't want to move it into storage. So it just made sense to keep our stuff up there, even though maybe we could have had our place up there for the same amount of a uh, long-term rental versus a furnished medium term rental. But it was, it was just easier for us than moving all of our stuff into a storage unit. So if you do decide to go the medium term or short term, st- stick with it. And that's personally for us because we don't want to move all of our stuff into a storage unit because that's a lot of work I don't want to deal with. And along those lines, uh, in addition to Furnish Finder, uh, I've used, I know people use, uh, uh, it's a Facebook subgroup called Gypsy Nurse or Gypsy Travel Nurse. Um, that's another one to look into. Uh, and then there's another one called Denver, another subgroup on Facebook Marketplace, like Denver Creative Housing Group. So those two, and people post like they're looking for housing too. So you could find the people that want the medium term uh, options because some people only want a three month lease or they want a two month stay. You have a lot of those people. And like Ben was saying, just you might have to be a little more since you're in Aurora and people, unfortunately, when they come out of state, they have sometimes a negative connotation of Aurora. I'm sure you encountered that. <laughs> uh, so you kind of have to, you know, maybe be a little more aggressive than having them come to you. You might have to do a little push yourself and go after them. That's what I would do. Thank you. Cool. Hey, Jeff, can you, through Roomster, I know you have a lot of experience with Roomster. Yeah. Can you do a filter for furnished rooms on Roomster? Um, there is a filter for furnished rooms. Yeah, you could, okay. you could search by that. Roomster is a crapshoot, though. It's just like Facebook <laughs> Marketplace. You're like you'll get some people that are serious and some people just looking around. So it, that's why you almost have to use a little bit of everything um, to find tenants because you, you you won't know. Like I can't tell you, like oh, I found all my tenants from Facebook Marketplace or all from Roomster or all from uh, that subgroup uh, that I mentioned for from Facebook um, or whatever the future ones that will be available. I think uh, if you spread it all out, you'll get the most people uh, interested and then you can filter down and find the best tenants. Cool. Does anyone else have anything they want to chat about on medium terminals? Well, I, uh, Jeff and Christine, I know you guys have one of your rooms and they're like, what, what are the, can you share numbers or kind of any stats from what you're, you're renting out there for? Yeah. So our, um, the one room we're doing for, for a short-term rent or uh, I guess medium-term rental, um, we ended up getting eight fifty a month for that one, um, which happened to be the same rate we got for our long-term rental. Um, I think we kind of had to make a quick decision and just get someone in there. It took us maybe what like two months probably to find someone for the, the medium term. Um, so we ended up getting eight fifty on that one. So when that, do you guys know yet when that medium-term tenant is out? Are you gonna keep doing medium or switch to? long-term room by room? Yeah, I think our plan is to continue the medium term. Um, I think we just got to refine our um, kind of our process and maybe expand the resources that we're using. Cause I've, I've been using furnish finder and I, I honestly just haven't gotten a huge response. Um, not, a, I don't know if it's maybe just people aren't looking to, to live in the Aurora area right now, or uh, maybe there's some other options, but, but I just, I've been reaching out and trying to connect and just haven't had any luck with that. I think Facebook's kind of been our go-to right now. Okay. I'll chime in here, Chris, just as far as my experience has been since I'm 
in the process of filming my first tenant. I think, yeah, I think I'll echo a lot of those comments that sometimes across those different platforms, it does feel like a crapshoot. And as far as the interest that is raised through those platforms, we'd already talked about it, so I won't belabor the point, but just taking photos, making sure you're advertising and how you present these property or the location is, is critical. You know, ours is right down the street from the park, right down the street from uh, Costco and Home Depot for what it's worth, but just other shopping malls. And I think when I go through these sites, it's for myself right now, it's thinking through a medium term. So just around six months is, is what I want to try out first with a first tenant with the option to renew. So going through that process, it really is kind of hint, uh, hitting all those different questions. And then once you get an application, want to be able to think through what that means as far as their credit, their background, some of the obvious and their income verification and references. So for me, it's just having that framework and thinking through, okay, all these different platforms, in some ways, you do have to just throw something at the wall and hope it sticks because the the way that you find a tenant, even through my experience, when I was looking through for my own apartment, when I was living downtown, I found it through, it was a sublease. It was on Craigslist. They had some interesting photos, but then lo and behold, I lived there for about three years before moving into this place. And yeah. it was a fantastic apartment. It was near work. And so sometimes it, it, it's an interesting gray area where you can say, Hey, only do this or do this. But in reality, the way it shakes out, I think, is you do have to hit up all these different platforms, think about what you want as a tenant, and then how that translates uh, across as the message. And you got any, I mean, I, I know uh, it's in the middle of leasing. Do you got any questions you want to pick, like Jeff's or Ben's or anyone's brains while you're on here? Just, you know, because, you know, there's one thing about reading about it, then you get in the weeds and actually doing it, and there's a lot of nuanced stuff on there. Right. I think my question is just how to handle the questions around viewing the place. So during COVID, this is probably a timely discussion for me. I discussed mm. it with my girlfriend who lives with me. And the discussion is the fact that we want to maintain it as a virtual tour until we get the application through the door so that we're, we know that they're serious. And then, of course, we want to offer the opportunity to visit the place before actually signing the lease. So that's something that we've talked through. So we've done a few virtual, a handful of virtual tours and some phone conversations and a lot of just messages back and forth through email and, and messenger. Right. So my, my question would really just be thinking how are you guys addressing for some of the current landscape and then just longer term, like what are best practices? I guess uh, I have a two part to that. Um, on one part is, what you're doing is exactly what I'm doing right now. I do virtual showings and then if they submit application, then I do it in person. So that's fine for the current landscape. And I think um, most people understand. And then if they don't understand, then I guess they weren't really as interested as we thought they were. So they kind of weed themselves out. And then the other part is in a normal landscape where you can have a ton of people for showings in person. Um, what I found to be most effective is just group showings so you schedule everything in like a window say okay from saturday from two to three i'm doing like an open house showing and they invite you know 10 10 people 20 people and then they all come and they all it's like they uh almost like compete against each other it's like okay if you're really serious submit application as soon as possible um versus trying to do 30 minute windows and okay 
Do you want a 2.30 to 3 o'clock time slot? Do you want the 3 o'clock, the 3.30? That, that's complete. I found that to be a complete waste of time because, for one, you're going to have a huge flake rate, and I would say 50% of people are going to flake no matter what you do. You can confirm with them an hour before, two hours before, a day before, uh, five minutes before, and they won't show up. So just assume you'll get 50% of people that won't show at all. Um, so automatically that's of the 50% that do show, you want them all kind of there. So you're not wasting your time. Like you're not trying to say, okay, everyone get a 30 minute time slot. You're there for like five hours. I mean, that's just a waste of your time. And then there's two people don't show in the middle. So you're just sitting there for an hour doing nothing. So I learned my lesson the hard way on that one. Definitely want to validate that. (laughs) Um, I also wanted to add for us, because we are renting room by room. And so we are living with these people. Um, it's been really insightful for seeing how, like, if they show up with masks, if they're asking, Hey, how are you handling the pandemic? What's your social circle? What are you doing? And so for us, it's really important because we want tenants that are not partying and going crazy and not wearing masks. So that's another important thing I think to ask and, and be aware of. Yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, you know, for Jeff and Henry, I guess have, you know, you've gotten positive feedback doing the virtual showings and are you doing that like one-on-one FaceTime style? Cause I've, I've got the kind of liquid that I'm working on renting as well right now. And I've done a couple of in-person showings, but it's, you know, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. And again, people not showing up and it's like, I got to figure out a better way to, to handle that than just doing, trying to block in a couple showings at one time. So speak from my experience, the virtual showing, the benefit is what Jeff outlined is that from a time commitment standpoint, you give them a ring, they're not there, you move on with your day. And otherwise, for the virtual showings, just as far as the response, when you, you suggest that, because it's generally understood why you're, you're suggesting a virtual showing first. And if they don't understand, then you just say, hey, let's have you submit an application, we can go through it, and I'm more than happy to show you the place in person. For the virtual showing, it's been great. People just send me their number, I give them a buzz, or we do it through Messenger, and they see the location, and usually they're pretty receptive. It's just they get a pretty good understanding. As we now know, stories can tell, or excuse me, pictures can tell a different story. So being able to see you walk through it and and be able to address the questions on uh, on the spot is also helpful because from a perspective of alignment, it really helps both sides, right? So you're not wasting each other's time going back and forth on messaging. So taking a quick 10 to 15 minutes at most, if that, uh, just to show them the place, you know, it's not like a, you're not showing them a mansion, so you're not walking through 10 rooms, but it's something that uh, for them, they pick up pretty quickly. Yeah. Then to add to that, um, I also have just a showing I recorded. Uh, so for your purposes, Eric, where you have to go 20 minutes back and forth. You could just do a pre-recorded showing where you kind of walk through the space um, really slowly, talk about things, uh, open doors, close doors, um, and then send that to them. So you don't have to, that, that might be a better option than trying to schedule it and then have to drive there and then they don't show up and you wasted you know, 20, 40 minutes of your time. So I would definitely add that as well. I like that approach, Jeff. I think having a virtual tour already taken care of is scaling, right? We all know how important our own personal time is. The one wrinkle that you do get as a benefit to when you do it one-on-one is the fact that you get to have that conversation right on the spot. So being able to 
interact with them immediately to see their engagement, to see who they are as an individual, obviously, uh, from, from the perspective of how serious they are as a potential tenant would, you know, they're asking good questions. If they're in, involved with a process, then kind of demonstrates their uh, serious commitment. Yeah. And just, uh, just to touch on Jeff's flake rate that, that you, that you talk about, um, I haven't had any really experience doing long-term rentals here in Denver. All my, all my long-term rental is in my rentals in Nebraska, but I remember going the hard way and doing individual showings. And I was at about 20%. If, if that, and it was, it was extremely frustrating until we went the, uh, uh, the open, uh, the open house route. But now with, with COVID that completely changes things. I agree. So I'm looking over the agenda here, but I think we've covered most of everything, right? Off the notes you compiled. Uh, looks, it looks about, looks like that. Um, I know, like I said, prior to the recording, we did get a lot of good detailed questions that didn't make it in. Is there anything else someone would like to cover that maybe didn't make it up on the agenda? Here's a fun question for all of Colorado folks. Dogs or no dogs? Dogs, non-aggressive breeds. Got it. No cats. Yeah. Yes. No cats because I'm allergic. So there was a reason just to make sure. What about uh, cat? Cat pee is nasty. Um, Good yeah, know. no, I mean, I just, you know, this is just talking about like property managers in general, since I, I chat with a lot of them throughout the month or every month. Um, you know, they say, if you don't allow dogs, you're really limiting your buyer, your buyer pool, your renter pool out there just because so many people have dogs. Um, you know, that's a lot of times part of the Colorado lifestyle. Um, big thing is someone do your background check on the dogs and just watch out for those aggressive breeds because that's where, and definitely read the fine print on your, um, insurance policy because some insurance policies will, you know, list certain breeds that are excluded. And then, you know, hopefully everyone's also getting their tenants to have, um, their own renter's insurance as well. And I, when I was renting, I didn't have a dog, but I would think renters insurance has some type of coverage in the dog there as well. Jeff White, do you, do you know about that for like, um, I have, I have rented to people with dogs and with renters insurance, but I haven't dealt with utilizing yeah. that renters policy. If that covers. I'm going to, I'm going to ask my insurance agent. I'm curious about that. Now it's never crossed my mind. Yeah. I kind of wonder, I'm sure they do have, um, policies that include dogs because, some people own dogs, but yeah, to answer your question, Henry, for sure. Um, I was very anti pets when I first started, but if you say no pets, um, well, for one Colorado people love it and they're going to pull the emotional support animal angle on you. And then you have to accept it. Even if you have no pets because, um, they're a protected class, um, make sure to get documentation. A lot of people say that. And then they, if you ask them for documentation, they don't have anything. Um, and then two, if you do like what Chris just mentioned, if you say no pets, you're eliminating 30 to 40% of your applicant pool. And yeah, it's kind of like, okay, they could do damage. They could have cat urine everywhere. Um, or you know, like Henry, you're allergic to cats. Um, that, you know, that's something to think about, but just put it again, put it into your numbers. If 
if someone has a dog and it's not an emotional sport and they're still a great applicant, uh, I would still accept them. I just do a pet deposit, non-refundable pet deposit and a pet fee, monthly pet fee per month. Yep. That is what I considered. I think when you filter out the tenant pool, that's one of the big trade-offs between not having a pet policy. So for me, it is allowing for dogs, but no cats. And then thinking through a non-refundable security deposit and a monthly pet rent that is consistent with what other companies charge around, around the Denver metro area. And one thing to keep in mind, this is I've had a few property managers, you know, tell me this. Let's just say you have a $1,000 security deposit. Oh, but you say, hey, if you have a pet, we're going to charge you an extra $500 for your pet security deposit. Here's a problem. If a pet causes $1,500 worth of damage, you can only keep $500 of that. So they say rather than doing a separate security, a separate pet security deposit, just raise the overall security deposit. That way it's not, um, I guess, segmented might be the right word, segmented just for that on there. Um, so that would that I've had a few PMs with yours tell me that. So if you do take a higher security deposit, which I think you should just raise the entire security deposit has been like the advice I've gotten from PMs. Good tip. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you bet. Uh, well, so I just realized, Hey Eric, I just realized you got kicked off. So you're back on now. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. <laughs> I, I am back. Uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the cons not being actually together in a physical room. Um, yeah. So we, I don't know where you dropped off yet, but we kind of got through the main agenda here and just throwing out last minute questions or that may still be dangling out there for you. Questions, tidbits, advice, anything. Um, I'd say, you know, on the advice side of things, definitely looking at, uh, decent amount of properties to understand what kind of layout's going to work best for what you want out of a property. Uh, Cause we definitely looked at some properties that, you know, we thought would be a good fit. And then we got in there and looked at them and we're like, that's not something we can live with. So I think just determining that, that comfort level and uh, getting, getting eyes on. And obviously the property has like the Matterport 3D tour. That's super helpful. Um, you just got to understand what a property is actually like once you're going to be living there. I agree. It's a very, yeah, very important to, to definitely get your feet wet, especially if it's your first house hack, not jump the gun and fall in love with your first place, but waiting to see and get familiar with and actually take the time and run the numbers on the, the house hacks that you, that you look at. Cool. Um, and then other thing is, uh, is right now i think everyone knows that interest rates are really low so we closed on our place i'll say i think around april of 2019 and we just started kind of getting interested and looking at our second house hack and we reached out to preston and we looked at actually one of our first house hacks on the market that we put an offering but we didn't end up getting it and it was kind of a unique property where they insulated and expanded on the a shed in the backyard that they made an additional one bedroom one bath and we thought it was really cool so we looked at it but then i was um listening to one of the ultimate house hacking guide modules i think it was 13 and they discussed refinancing well 
we were just refinanced and we, we, we cut our, which I still really glad we did it cut our interest rate down by quite a bit, but now we have to wait the six months to a year again until we have to do, uh, after until we can go on to our, onto our second house act property. But that doesn't mean we're going to wait. We're still going to kind of continue looking at the market and line up financing. What'd your interest rate drop? Do you mind sharing that? Four, it was at 4.5, went to 2.89. Well, that's what that probably saved you 200 plus a month. Yeah. Uh, six. 600? Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Awesome. So what, what was nice is um, on one of our previous podcasts we did during the recording, we were kind of doing a mixture of short-term rental and long-term rental, uh, rent by the room. Uh, so just to kind of paint a picture of what our, our house hack is, it's, um, it's a, the total house is a four-bedroom, three-bath house. There's a detached mother-in-law suite above our garage. That's a one-bedroom, one-bath. And then the main level is three bedroom, two bath. So we are Airbnb in the top, and we are also renting out one of the rooms to my sister in law. Um, and it's and so during that time, um, we were refinancing. My sister, our sister in law, just bought a house. So as she moved out, we refinanced. So it was kind of off. We we we're, we're kind of doing our like it was a equal turnaround where where she was paying us rent, but we we were helping out because she was family and so kind of when we refinanced it just balanced out so it really didn't impact us too much great well i think that sounds like we covered everything so you know uh listeners out there if you guys have feedback questions you want to ask us you know have us ask on the next show let us know uh you know the i know the you know, with it being virtual, we got some awkward pauses, transitions there once in a while, but that's just kind of, you know, everyone's been on Zoom calls, you know, that goes now. So we're getting better at it. If you got tips, tricks, advice, we'd love to hear it. Otherwise, I mean, I appreciate just everyone coming out. So Jeff White, Ben, thanks for your help. Ben, thank you for organizing this. Henry, Christina, Eric, Jeff, you guys, thanks for, thanks for being on here. And we'll definitely have you guys back in the future and updates. And check the show notes for everyone's uh, contact details, social media links, whatever everyone felt uh, comfortable sharing. It'll all be posted in the show notes when you click on there. So reach out, network, and then, you know, eventually when we're all allowed to gather in groups again, we'll start doing some more in-person events and masterminds and really have some more fun. So I appreciate everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Great being here. Thank you for everyone coming out. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>